Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is March 1584 and Queen Elizabeth is on the throne. Reginald Scott's new book, The Discovery of Witchcraft, has just been published and he's at the launch party when he bumps into a new face. Pick a card. I beg your pardon? Pick a card. What for? It's a card trick. You have to pick a card. Oh, no, you don't. Eh? Of all the places to do this, at my book launch? Oh, it's your book, is it? It is indeed. Have you come here to trick me? Well, tricks is what I do, mate. I'm a magician. You're a charlatan. You've seen my act before, have you? That time in Margate, was it? I wasn't on top form then. You see this here? What does it say? This book? Yes. Well? It says, The Discovery of Witchcraft by Reginald Scott. And the rest of it? It's in small writing, and I haven't got my glasses on. It says, Wherein the lewd dealing of witches and witchmongers is notably detected, the knavery of conjurers, the impiety of enchanters, the folly of soothsayers, the infidelity of atheists, the pestilent practices of pythonists, the curiosity of figure-casters, the vanity of dreams, the beggarly act of alchemistry, the abomination of idolatry, the horrible act of poisoning, the virtue and power of natural magic, and all the conveyances of legerdemain and juggling are deciphered and many other things opened which have long lain hidden, howbeit very necessary to be known. Hereunto is added a treatise upon the nature and substance of spirits and devils, etc. Yeah, it's the etc at the end that gets me. Like you haven't already explained it all in the previous paragraph. It's a bit long for a title, isn't it? Long title, long book. Right. 488 pages over 16 books and 249 chapters. Your editor not here tonight? I don't have an editor. There's a surprise. What's it about then? The first book sets out the theory for the origins of witchcraft. Witchcraft? While the second book talks about the judicial process that convicts the people accused of these impossible crimes. Non-fiction, is it? Or perhaps self-help? The next three books are about demonology. Demonology? Isn't that a Dan Brown book? The agreement between witches and the devil. Sex with the devil. And the transformation of witches into the form of an animal. Like a wolf. Wait a moment. Did you say sex with the devil? There are eight 
chapters ridiculing the demonologist's account of sex with the devil, impotence caused by witches, and penis stealing. I'm so sorry. I thought you said penis stealing then. I think I need to concentrate more. I did. A young man had sex with a woman and lost his penis. It disappeared. Nothing could be seen or felt. It didn't snap off, did it? He decided that she was a witch and so asked her to restore it. Did she? She refused. So he strangled her with a towel, saying, Restore me my tool or you'll die for it. What? Swollen and black in the face, she agreed. Well, she's not stupid, is she? She put her hand into his codpiece and said, Now have you your desire? And it came back. I'm not sure all that would stand up in a court of law, if you'll pardon the expression. Utterly ridiculous, isn't it? I have an even better one to tell you. Oh, good. A noblewoman was in bed one night when the devil sexually assaulted her. What? When she shouted out, the devil hid under her bed, disguised as a bishop. Disguised as a bishop? When he was discovered under the bed, he lied and said he was the bishop. When, of course, he was the devil. He was something, all right. Once the devil had left his body, the bishop suffered a serious loss to his reputation. I would hope so. It was only cleared up when the devil reappeared in his body and confessed. Please tell me no one bought this. I would love to tell you that, but no. I've never heard anything so utterly bizarre. I mean, how can sane people believe that? Wait for it. Did you know that epilepsy can be cured by drinking water at a spring at night out of the skull of a man that had just been hanged? Uh... Or by eating a pig killed with a knife that's murdered a man? I think I'd rather have epilepsy. And did you know that the pain of childbirth can be erased by throwing a stone over the top of a house where she's lying? Only if the stone knocks her unconscious. But the stone needs to have killed three living creatures. A man, a wild boar, and a she-boar. Why is something always got to die for these to work? Seems counterproductive. Actually, sometimes the magician himself is the one that dies. Well, it is a dangerous business, I'm not going to lie. Look at Harry Houdini. A well-known stage trick uses a protective stomach plate, false bladders of blood, and hollow daggers to create a false murder. I'm sure. But recently, a man died in Cheapside after coming out of a tavern drunk. Well, we've all been there. He had forgotten his protective stomach plate and accidentally stabbed himself died in Powell's churchyard. Well, at least he didn't have far to go. To be buried, I mean. And, being a magician yourself, you will have heard of Brandon's Pigeon. 
Brandon's pigeon. It's a well-known trick devised by Brandon, the king's juggler, under old King Henry. Never heard of him. What was the trick? And do I have time to write it down? He painted a picture of a pigeon onto a wall. Seeing a pigeon sitting on top of a nearby house, he'd stab the picture with a knife and mutter some magic words. The pigeon would fall from the house, stone dead. How did he do that? The pigeon had been drugged beforehand and was barely clinging on to life. Let loose, they would always fly to the top of the house. Ah. All he had to do was keep talking till it dropped dead. I might steal that, except the poisoning pigeon thing might get me into trouble. If that or anything similar had been done by an old woman, everyone would cry out for firewood to burn the witch. Oh, I see. Double standards, yes. Those which are commonly accused of witchcraft are the least sufficient of everyone to speak for themselves. Why is that? They have the least education. They are old. They are poor. They have mental health conditions. They are easy to accuse. Heavens. Many of those poor wretches have more need to be helped than chastised. True. Rather a preacher, jailer or physician be used where appropriate than an executioner. I bet Paul Daniels never had these conversations at a corporate gig. I have personal experience of witchcraft trials, you know. I've investigated several. Journalist, are you? Between 1565 and 1584, there were 14 prosecutions for witchcraft in Kent. Just in Kent? Well, that's where I'm from. And what were they accused of? Ten were accused of bewitching people to death. Two for just bewitching people, and two for causing the deaths of animals by witchcraft. And what happened? Of those fourteen, nine were found guilty, and five found not guilty. All those charged were women. Did you find out more about them? This is a typical story. Margaret Simons from Brenchley. I interviewed the vicar of the parish and some villagers. What happened? The vicar had arranged for her arrest along with a number of others. It was a malicious charge. It always is. Hmm. The vicar's son had passed by her house one day and her dog barked at him. That had better not be it. He drew a knife and chased the dog to her door. She shouted at him. He shouted back, and they had an argument. So far, so normal. A week later, the boy fell ill, and it was blamed on the argument. Oh, dear. The vicar thought that God wouldn't punish his son, and concluded that Margaret had bewitched him into illness. Of course he did. Then... He decided that because he'd tried to speak in church one day and wasn't able to, that she'd bewitched him into not talking. Now there's a superpower I would pay good money for. The ability to stop people talking. Right now would be good. Thankfully she was found innocent, but this sort of thing happens all the time. 
even though the law is very clear on this sort of thing. Is it? There was a statute on witchcraft in 1563. The new law re-establishes witchcraft as a crime, rather than establishing it as heresy. And what's the penalty? One year's imprisonment, and then being pilloried for six hours once every quarter for one year for the first offence. For any subsequent infraction, it was the death sentence. Still pretty steep. Are they all treated the same? That doesn't seem fair. They can be put into three groups. The criminal, the heretical and the false or impossible. What's in the last group? Oh, sacrificing children to the devil, incest with spirits, murdering and boiling infants, cannibalism and carnal copulation with demons. And... Great. Well, that's sucked the fun out of life, hasn't it? The punishment then fits either criminal or heresy charges. Regardless, they're all tricksters, whether their intentions are good or bad. Good intentions? Some witches and sorcerers use forms of magic that make use of sacred objects and texts. But they do it for good reason, to give people faith. Faith? Which means they are in direct competition with the church. So, do you believe in witches or not? I'm getting mixed signals here. Yes. The word witch is in the scriptures, but I don't think they have the powers that only God has. Okay. Witches don't have power over life and death. Belief in witchcraft is the failure of genuine faith. In that case, I wouldn't watch Harry Potter because I don't think he'd enjoy it. Mind you, God, on occasion, does allow Satan to use the witch to bring misfortune on people, to test their faith, or punish them for their sins. Doesn't sound very godlike. The devil, on the other hand, exists, but it is in the work of the witch hunter or demonologist. Make your mind up. To cry witch is to create a witch. Were the number of witch hunters reduced, the number of witches would be reduced as well. Especially if they get paid on a per witch basis. I mean, I'd go hunting if that were the case. Indeed. But why do they go along with it? Why, if someone is accused of being a witch, don't they just deny it? Why don't they just say, I have no idea what you're talking about? They are deluded. Innocent people that have mistakenly come to believe in the supernatural powers given to them by others. Yes, I'm sure you're right. They have wrongly accepted them as true. You could say they are the ones who have been abused, not the abuser. True. They confess to things that are so against their self-interest that no sane person would have done them. Like? What creature being sound of mind would, without a second thought, for a trifle or nothing, make a bargain with the devil for their soul to be yielded up 
unto his tortures and everlasting flames. Oh, I don't know. I mean, if you have to die anyway. Anyway, what's this here? <laughs> Looks suspicious. I think it's just wine. Looks like a love cup to me. What's a love cup? It's a potion intended to bring about love, but tends to lead to insanity and death. So does love. Don't joke. They are full of the most dreadful things. Like what? Not tequila. I hate that. Tail and penis of a wolf. Brains of cats and lizards. Bones of a frog devoured on an ant heap. The garments of the dead. Candles burnt before a corpse. Needles used to sew the dead into their winding sheets. Doesn't sound like there's a vegan option. Hmm. I think I'll stick to water. I'm sure Daphne wouldn't have tried to poison you. Daphne? The caterer. A woman? Well, with a name like Daphne, I'd assume so. Women are known for poisoning. Although it's a stereotype because women prepare the food and the medicine, you see. They have the opportunity. Why are witches always women and not men? It is said because women are more credulous with a desire to know improper things. They are more open to receive the impressions offered by the devil. Shh. They talk too much and are more prone to sin. Look at Eve in the Garden of Eden. Which didn't happen. Women are generally thoroughly nasty pieces of work when crossed. Declare them mad and they are powerless. I'd keep your voice down if I were you. It's all in the book. Well, I wish you luck with it. I really do. Thank you. What's this year on the back? Oh, my books include long lists of magic charms and rituals that I've picked up along the way. Hmm. So this is like a spell book then? What? A useful investment for any aspiring charlatan to follow and set up shop. All listed in 16 handy volumes. Bugger! Next time, it's Sir Francis Walsingham and the cryptographer. Is that even his real name? The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Since 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this person, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Since79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History.